The Money Show. Personal Finance. Welcome to The Money Show and uh, to Greg Sneddon this evening. Greg is the financial coach. She is a financial advisor and he helps people structure their finances in a sensible fashion. And tonight, Greg Sneddon, this idea of retirement um, and, I mean, stereotypically, let's go for a, a, a lovely stereotype in terms of what you typically see in a middle class household as people come to you and say, hello, I'm stepping down from work next year. I'm going to retire. Um, here is my husband, Bill, or here's my wife, June, or whatever the case might be. Um, and we are here to get a financial plan. Typically, what are they thinking at that particular point? Evening, Bruce. I think even before we get there, typically it's not husband and wife. Typically it's one of them. And that's part of the problem. It's either the husband on his own or it's the wife who's come without the husband. So, but typically it would be in the older generation, it's typically the male that arrives, uh, having worked at a company for 20, 30, 40 years. Here's my pension. It's a significant lump sum of money. Now I need to draw an income. And because it's a pension fund, there are very few options you convert it to an annuity. And whether that's a living annuity or a life annuity, after you've taken your tax-free portion, there's nothing you can do. And now you earn a taxable income for the rest of your life. End of story. Nothing else can be done. It's too late. And it's so interesting, isn't it? Because people, and I've heard lots of stories of people saying, oh, I didn't know I had to pay tax because I've been paying tax all my life. Yeah. And now finally it's my savings. And now I've got a pot of... 5 million, 10 million, 15 million, million, whatever. And thank goodness I'm going to be fine and I can draw this much money. And they forget that this much money is like getting a paycheck every single month. That's exactly what it is. The only concession is once you hit 65, you you qualify for the secondary tax rebate. But it's minuscule. It is minuscule, but you also get a greater medical deduction. So there are some advantages. but, But if your only source of income is taxable income, there's little you can do. And and. And I think many people also forget that rental income is taxable income. It's taxed just like salary. So you want to try and find ways of earning much more tax-efficient income than just a pension or an annuity um, or, or rental income. And, and I think the time to start planning that is when you're in your 20s and your 30s is to look at the opportunities and the options available. Okay, let's look. Let's let's pretend we're all very young, um, and and we care because we're twenty five or thirty, and we think, or even forty. Uh, we're thinking about this, but for most people leave it too late. Yeah. All right, but let, let's go through the ideal scenario. How would you set it up ideally, and then get to a fifty something year old who hasn't done it this yeah. way, okay. and whether or not there's a way through? So I think I think the 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 principle behind here is that two separate taxable income streams are much more efficient than one taxable income. So if you have a long-term partner, spouse, whatever it is, you're involved in a long-term committed relationship. If you can both have an income of 500,000 rand or your income of 500,000 rand, that's going to be much more tax efficient than a single income, taxable income of a million rand. Because they just, they, they're it's taxed, just taxed at a lower rates. rate. Yeah. And you both qualify for the rebates. And so it's much more tax efficient. So that's the one, one way to do it. And then the second thing to think about is, say, okay, in addition to my retirement fund, which is all generating taxable income, are there ways that I can generate much more tax-efficient income? Ah, yes, there are. Capital gains tax is a much more friendly tax than income tax. 
So if you have a pot of, and I'm going to use unit trusts in this example, but ETFs also work just as well. If you have a pot of unit trust funds from which you can draw an income to supplement your monthly income, the income that can come out of that unit trust portfolio is taxed via capital gains. Okay, so let's, let's just make up some numbers. Sure. Um, I've, yeah. I've, I've got, I, I can either have a pension pot of 15 million rand, right. okay, okay, or I put my money, I was very I was very good and I worked for a company and they've, I've got a pension pot of 10 million rand. But I also, because I was a bit concerned about the future, I put away money into an ETF for unit trust, yep. into a small share portfolio yep. every single month. And I've got 5 million rands worth of shares. Okay. So I'm getting a fixed income on a monthly basis out of the 10 million. I'm mm. drawing down as mm. little as I possibly can. Mm. But I've also started harvesting some of the mm. dividends out of the 5 million. Okay. So now I'm not paying my income tax on, on 15. On 15. Yeah. I'm paying income tax on the 10 pot and capital gains on the on the 5 yeah. million pot. Yeah. Suddenly, we start to see a very different outcome in yeah. terms of the yeah. savings that you can make <clears throat> on taxable income. So just, just one, one point of there. A share portfolio, while it's a great way to accumulate money over time, is not an ideal way to draw income because it's difficult to sell a share or two shares or three shares every month. Or you're living off the dividends. As if long you, as the dividends are consistent. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. agreed. But, but let's imagine you've got uh, one income uh, on 15 million rand. Let's imagine the person is 65 years old, so they qualify for the primary and secondary rebates. Let's ignore medical deductions. On an income, on, on a capital of 15 million rand, if you draw 5% per annum, that's 750,000 rand a year. That's, that's not bad. Not bad at all. It's right? better than money. average. Way better than average. That's 60, roughly 62,000 rand a month before tax. Yeah. However, you're going to give away about 187,000 rand a year in tax. So your 62 will net you 47. Suddenly it's not so lucky. It's not so great anymore, is it? Now, if you had a pension of 10 and a pot of 5, a discretionary unit trust portfolio on the side, your 5% on the 10 million is, is 42 a month. After tax, that's just under 34. Now you draw 20 a month from your unit trust portfolio, which is 5% on, on yeah. 5 million. And, and your, I mean, in the best case scenario, you've got no capital gains tax to pay because it's, it, it's worked out. But even in, in the worst case, you might pay a couple of thousand rand tax, not, not, not tens of thousands of rand yeah. tax. So, so it's possible you have your 30, 33, 34,000 rand plus 20,000 and you've got 53. Okay, we get, we, we're getting to lots Technical. of number territories here, but the point is you are able perfectly legally in your own best interests yep. to be a little bit more sensible about the way in which you structure your income. So there are two major ways that we've looked at it. One, you can ensure from early on that your spouse who may not be working for in full-time employment, may not have a paying job, um, is a beneficiary of yours over your lifetime. So every year you can give as much money as you like to your spouse yep. um, and you can split your incomes. You can say, here's a donation mm -hmm. to you, my darling. Sure, that would um, be with after-tax money, not uh, yeah. pre-tax money, but yeah. yeah. Okay, but over time. Yeah. Um, and then they can have their <coughs> savings pot and you can have your savings pot. And together, assuming that you're both shackled at the ankle and to, uh, <laughs> to, the, to the front bound, steps. Bound the, by contract. <laughs> bound by contract, um, that you, yeah. one of you doesn't abscond on the other. Sure. Um, the, those two pots of money apart are yeah. worth more than a single big pot of money as a result of the tax. Absolutely. It's just structured more tax efficiently. And then within those two portfolios, yes. you also ensure that you have a spread of income streams yeah. coming, coming your So way. if you have a taxable income stream and your partner, in, in my situation, my wife has a taxable income stream, 
then and we both have additional discretionary unit trust portfolios. Now we, you know, the sky's the sky's the limit in 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 a sense. And I think, I think the gap here from a financial planning point of view is too few people focus on maximizing the retirement contributions for their spouses. It's kind of I'll just do a little. My, my wife has a little RA debit order of a thousand rand or five hundred rand a month, but actually she could be putting in five thousand rand a month. Yeah. Why are we not doing that? And 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 I realize we're talking to the privileged and. Times are tight and people don't have surplus income, but, but there's a real tax advantage to putting money away into retirement funds. We can get to the merits of being tied into South Africa and all sorts of stuff. We can talk about that a little bit later, but there are definite tax advantages to making use of retirement funds okay, in this let's country. Talk about that in a moment. Financial okay. coach Greg Snedden in studio, first studio guest in lots of months. Greg Snedden this evening. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by ABSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Sustainable finance for growing places. The bravery to imagine. That's Africanacity. ABSA's a registered FSP. The Money Show. Personal finance. Financial coach Greg Snedden with us this evening. Now, not everybody's a fan of a retirement fund. If you've got money in a retirement fund, it forces you at retirement to buy an annuity. And it allows you to draw up to 17.5% of the total amount of money that you have in your investments out every single year. That, if you're not going to, if you're going to live for longer than five years, is a destructive and dangerous thing to do. Um, you want to draw as little as you can out in order to live comfortably, because you don't know how long you're going to live or how long your um, your, your your the dependents are going to uh, be dependent upon you. So there's an issue there. But why is it that retirement funds are not the be all and end all of retirement saving? I think. George, thank you. I think, Bruce, there's a lot of emotion around retirement funds and a lot of concern around the future of South Africa and the economic viability of South Africa as a country. And before the budget speech in February, retirement funds were only allowed to invest up to 30% of their investments offshore. Mm. And, and when, I mean, if you, if you were a an unbiased, objective investor, and you sat on the moon and you looked at Earth, you would not put 70% of your money into South Africa. Okay, and why we've got to explain this, before you get shouted at for being a traitor and all yes, that sort of stuff, Yes. Um, there's a very, very good tool on the internet, and it is called Visual Capitalist. Um, and Visual Capitalist um, does a fantastic map of the world, and it divides it up. And there are two big chunks on it, one of about 26%, and another one of about 20%. 26% of global GDP, it's a $100 trillion global economy. 26% of global GDP is America. 20%, 21% is China. Is that South Africa? No, not. <laughs> China, and it's catching up. And then you've got lots of Asian countries and lots of Western countries, and then Germany's about 1% or 2% or 3%, and Britain's about 5 or 6%, and South Africa is 0.356% or something. We are... Insignificant. A, a lovely but insignificant pimple market, market. market on, in the world. Right. Um, and therefore, uh, that's your point. To put so, yeah, 70% you of your money moon, into a tiny fraction of the world. It doesn't economy, make, sense. It makes no sense. And I think, you know, there was heightened concern around the riots from last year and the RAND going and ESCOM. And so the sentiment is quite negative. And, and you could make a good case before February for saying, look, forego the tax savings in an RA or a pension fund of retirement duty and just send the money. Run. Out and diversify. Yes. February 
in, in February, Treasury, I think surprisingly to many people, announced that retirement funds could increase their offshore to 45%. And this was the genius of that particular move because government knew that they were, in terms of being a sort of a popularity contest, they were losing out on yeah. revenue. People were, were, were actually cashing in pensions. People were doing stupid things yeah. to access the money in order simply to get it out. Yeah, so, so rather than allow that sort of self-harm, yeah. they went, okay, he has an option for you. Well, uh, maybe that's being generous. I think there's a school of thought that, that says that government realized what they'd done after they'd done it, and maybe they didn't in- intend to get it to 45%, because there was initially confusion around Africa holding, and, and is it 35% offshore plus 10% Africa? Anyway, it's 45% offshore. What I find... Because also, I mean, just sorry. Yeah, no, no way. The, the Africa investment holding, it's terribly romantic and very nice, but I talked to many, many asset managers who go, we can't find... So 0.1%. Yeah, no, but we can't find investable assets yeah. to that value. Yeah. And that's the big problem. So it's a romantic notion, I think. Yeah. You know? and, uh, but what I find... So, so to me now, an RA, retirement annuity becomes that much more attractive because I, I, I can get a decent offshore exposure. And if you factor in that the, there's you know, foreign earnings for some of the JSC listed companies, it's, it's not that bad anymore. And the tax savings is great, but... What I find frustrating is that very few of our asset managers have upped their exposure from even 30% to 45%. In fact, many of them are still sitting at 20%. And a year or two ago, they were bleating about not being able to get enough offshore exposure, and now they don't want to go offshore. And but when you consider the volatility in global markets this year, has that stance been justified by the fact that the JSE has been significantly less afflicted by the huge volatility that we've seen in markets. I know the Nasdaq fell 20% and it's recovered 20% since then. But just from a, a, a heart rate point of view, <laughs> South Africa's actually been a calmer place to be invested in this year. Yeah, it has. But, but you don't only have to be invested in equities, and particularly uh-huh. in a balanced fund. There are some brave managers who up their f- asset allocation to 45% offshore as Treasury made that announcement, and they've been sitting in offshore cash. Uh-huh. They're looking like geniuses. And they took their money off at like 15. At 15 odd. Not 16. Not 17, yeah. yeah. And, and so taking money offshore is, the timing is critical. You don't want to be rushing offshore when the RAND is going through one of its weaker phases. And, and nobody knows what it's going to do tomorrow or the next day. And inflation is messing things up because our inflation rate is officially lower than the US inflation rate. So, so we should strengthen potentially. But but it's about, the, it's about your initial your price. So if you're going to take money offshore at 17 rand 30 to the dollar, and today we've come back to 16 rand 15 or whatever, you've yeah. lost 1 rand 15, and you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But if you took it off at 15 rand or 15.50, you're still up. Yeah. So it's about the timing um, of taking money offshore. Uh, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here, <laughs> and, and, and let's, let's, let's bring it back to, so that we can summarize it. The point is there are lots of options open to you. Yeah. Uh, as you approach retirement. Ensure that you are splitting your assets between you and your most trusted friend in the world. Your spouse. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> they are your most trusted yeah. friend Not in the your world. child. It won't work. No, don't <laughs> give it to your children. Um, yeah, yeah, they can have whatever's left. Um, uh, once the death duties are paid. Um, and, uh, and ensure that they are looked after, that you are able to look after <laughs> yourself, that you mutually are beneficiaries of each other's estate because yeah. there's yeah. no tax issues yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and really just be a box smarter uh, than simply go, go for a vanilla solution yeah. to a retirement. It, it would be remiss of me not to mention a tax-free savings account yes. uh, as part of your tax-efficient retirement planning. Now, I've 
traditionally been quite outspoken about tax-free savings accounts. I think they've been totally missold in this country. Well, the rubbish name they're to not start tr- off with. Well, the, yes. Yeah, but they're not transactional accounts. In order to make a tax-free savings account work efficiently, you need to be able to leave the money for at least 20 to 25 years yep. without touching it. If you can do that, you've got an additional source of tax-free income. Go for it. But it's too late with respect to start a tax-free savings account in your 70s or your 80s. Yeah. You haven't got time. You can only contribute 36,000 rand a year. It's going to take you, t- you know, you're not going to get the capital and you're not going to get the benefit of compounding. Yes. So it can be part of your portfolio, but you need time, 20 to 25 years minimum in order to make it work. And you don't touch that money ever. When you say ever, it becomes part of your, but it becomes part of your, your it's, money. You should, you should view it like your retirement lump sum. You yes. can't access it unless we go and get changes to legislation, which might happen next year with a two-pot retirement system that the Treasury is talking about bringing. But, but view it, a tax-free savings account, just like your pension fund, your RA. You can't touch it. Money goes in, it doesn't come out. It doesn't come out until 20 or 25 years later. Now you're making it work. Now you're taking advantage of the tax-free savings. And... Don't sit in a bank account in a tax-free savings account. And that's why I hate the term account. <laughs> Fine, I think, yes. I think the marketing machine would still somehow manage to convince people to put it into, yes. into a bank account, yes. but that's another whole discussion and we, we won't open that can of worms right not, now. Not tonight, <laughs> not tonight anyway. But I, I do, I mean, people are desperately intimidated by this idea of retirement. They, yeah. they're, they're terrified of retirement. Um, you'd be mad not to be. We just got to look at inflation rates over the last 12 months um, to realize that you've got to be consistently actively invested in stock markets, in assets that have got growth potential. Um, there used to be a, a school of thought that at 55, you started scaling back and calming down on your investment portfolios and stuff. And it's a case of like, actually, you know what? You know, Try not to draw down on your pension until you're 70. Mm. And then you've got a chance of making it through to 90 or yeah. 95. You, you know, know, I think the drawing down or that you're calming down your, your exposure was a function of buying a life annuity at retirement. Yeah. Where your, your pension was a function of the amount of capital that you had and your age and interest rates. And if your capital fell in the year or two or three before retirement, you're up the creek. You know, you're going to look like a silly old guava with, with, <laughs> with, with, with nothing going for you. But now, with the advent of living annuities and, and being able to manage the income draw and possibly convert to a life annuity at a later stage in life, you've got a 30, 40-year horizon once you retire. You can afford to take the volatility risk that gives you the growth that you actually mm-hmm. need. No, and, and again, I cannot stress this enough. There are lots of people who say you don't need financial advice. You can do the stuff. The internet is free. You can watch YouTube videos. Um, can I, it, it, and, and you call yourself a coach, I think, deliberately. Yeah. I mean, you know, even the world's top golfers still have coaches um, because your swing isn't going to be perfect each and every single time. And when it goes off, you need somebody to point out, hey, yeah. you know, just you're flexing just your, your risk. Just uh, bring him back on track. That's basically what it is. And uh, uh, I, I think markets are terribly exciting. We've seen this rebound over the last... You can have my job. <laughs> you can have my job. It's got to be the worst time, and I think in twenty odd years of doing this. It's, yeah. uh, oh, really? Are you yeah. are you taking lots of flack? It's just not making sense. You, yeah. you know, uh, it just doesn't make sense. And I think there's I think there's this panic to get back in because you're going to miss this massive spurt back up because the most two recent dips were V shaped and. So it just doesn't make sense. But uh, I suppose the only thing to be able to do is to reassure people that. Um, they shouldn't have been out in the first place. Yeah, um, and yeah. you stay invested for the long term. If you're in, regardless. you're in. Yeah. If you're not in, when do you get in? Well, at the moment, maybe slowly. Exactly. Little bit by little bit. There we go. Dribble in.
Triple N. There we go. Lots of sports analogies because we're very sporty. Um, thank you very much to Greg Snedden. He is the financial coach this evening. Into the breach for Warren Ingram.